On one of our first lessons in this series, we looked at the opening section, really the first chapter, as, as we break that thing into chapters, um, of Jesus, what we call the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5. And we looked at the, some of the points that Jesus made in that section. And this morning I want to take us back to the Sermon on the Mount and look at the conclusion of it. See how Jesus wrapped up that series of, of thoughts that he had to present on that occasion. Because one of the things that we do as we look forward to a new year and as we get past Thanksgiving, this is sort of the time of year that we begin to think about the end of the year that we've been in and look forward to the year that is coming. And we begin to think about, you know, what are we going to do in the new year? What, what are our plans going to be for the new year? How are we going to uh, do things maybe differently in the coming year than we've done them in this year? And so I thought it was, was the right time for us to look at this particular uh, teaching of Jesus because at the conclusion of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus teaches a series of lessons, really. They're sort of interconnected on the power of choice, which is something that we think about as we come into new, the new year. You know, we think about making New Year's resolutions about the choices that we are going to make. And I thought it was a good time for us to think about the importance of our choices. In Matthew, the seventh chapter, beginning of the 13th verse, Jesus says, Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. Now we're going to come back to this section later in the lesson and talk about some other things. But I just want us to note before we move on just what Jesus says here. He describes what he calls a narrow gate that is to be entered through. And he compares that with a wide gate that opens onto a broad road. And he says that wide gate and that broad road leads to destruction. But notice having said that, what he says next, many go that way. Now that seems kind of weird, doesn't it? If one of the choices is destruction, you would think nobody would go that way. Why would people go the way that leads to destruction? But in fact, Jesus says that's the way most people choose to go. Because the gate that leads to life is small. And it's a narrow road that it opens onto. And only a few he says, find it. Again, that seems kind of weird, doesn't it? You would think that if the two choices are destruction and life, wouldn't everybody choose life? Doesn't that just seem the obvious choice? 
But Jesus says only a few go that way. But what we also want to notice is this. There are only two gates. There's the wide gate that leads to the broad road that leads to destruction. There's the small gate that opens onto the narrow road that leads to life. There are not multiple gates and multiple roads. There are only two. One wide and broad and destructive. One small and narrow that leads to life. Those are the only two choices that Jesus presents. But also notice that which gate you pass through is a choice. There are people who will tell you, there are many people in the religious world will tell you, God's already decided what gate you get. They will tell you that God decided what gate you get before you were ever born. And you have nothing to say about the matter. You're stuck with whatever gate God assigned you. That's not what Jesus says. Jesus says you have a choice between two gates. You can choose the wide one or the small one. You can choose the broad road or the narrow road. Most people choose the former. Few choose the latter. But everybody chooses. And we're going to talk about that a bit more a little later on. Jesus then transitions to something that might seem like a completely different subject, but we'll see why it isn't. He next says, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every tree bears good fruit. But a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit. And a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by your fruit, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Now again, that seems like Jesus has completely jumped off the previous train and gone on to a completely different subject. But let's notice the fact that he really hasn't changed topics at all. He's just changed the form factor of what he's talking about. Because when he's talking about prophets, and by prophets, he simply means teachers. Oftentimes when we think of that word prophet, we think about people exercising a miraculous power from God. And certainly in the Old Testament scriptures, the word prophet is used that way. But it is also used simply to describe one who speaks. One who speaks with a message. 
And that's what Jesus, that's the context in which Jesus is using that word here. Simply talking about speakers or teachers. And he says, watch out for false ones. He said, they, they come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ferocious wolves. They look like one thing. They present themselves as one thing, but they are really something very different. But he says, you can tell the difference, though. He says, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Just as you discern what kind of fruit you pick from a tree. If you go to a tree and you see that it's got good fruit, you pick that. If you go to a tree and you see that the fruit is rotten, you don't pick that. Because you don't want to eat that. But notice that what tree you eat from is a choice. Now, most of us, this being modern society and we live in an urban environment, most of us don't pick our own fruit. We go to the store and they have a produce section and they lay the fruit out for us. And some other kind people have already picked that for us and have trucked it to the store and someone else has, has presented it for us. But we still pick it. You decide what fruit goes in your basket. You have an opportunity to look at the tomatoes and see the good ones and the ones that are not so good. And hopefully you choose the good tomatoes. You have an opportunity to inspect the bananas and see whether they are good or whether they've gone a little bit south. And hopefully when you pick your bananas, you pick the good ones. You have an opportunity to choose what fruit you pick. And what Jesus is using this as a comparison for is to say you have a choice of what teachers you listen to. Pick the good ones, he's saying. And you'll know who to listen to by their fruit, he says. Because a good tree is not going to give you bad fruit. And a bad tree is not going to give you good fruit. So check out the fruit and use that to judge those who are giving you information. Look at the outflow of their lives and their teaching and use that as the means to evaluate whether you give them your ear or not. So it's that same kind of choice that Jesus has already described using the figure of the two gates. See, he really hasn't changed subjects. He's just changed the form factor of the argument. continues on by saying not everyone who says to me Lord Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven but only the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven many will say to me on that day Lord Lord 
did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name drive out demons. And in your name perform many miracles. And I will tell them plainly. I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Here Jesus talks about a different kind of choice. The choice of being one who names the name of Jesus but doesn't do the will of his Father, or vice versa. And Jesus makes it very clear here that not everyone who names him as Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven. There are many people in the world, many people in the religious world, who will tell you that's enough. If you just name the name of Christ, you've solved your problem, spiritually speaking. Jesus doesn't see it that way. Jesus doesn't think it's enough for you simply to name him the Lord of your life. Unless you also do the will of his Father. There's an old spiritual song. Everybody talking about heaven ain't going. And that's exactly what Jesus is saying here. There's a lot of people talking about Jesus who are not really following Jesus. There are a lot of people naming Jesus as Lord for whom he is not really Lord because they don't do the things that he says. And he says that on that last day, they're going to be surprised, many of them. Because they're going to say, well... Lord, we called you Lord, didn't we? Didn't we put your name on the sign outside the building? Didn't we say that we were serving you in the things that we did? And the things that we said? And Jesus says, and those are people to whom I will say, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. There's a choice to be made. Not just as to whether we name Jesus as Lord, but whether we will actually do what his lordship requires of us. And then Jesus uses another figure, beginning at verse 24. He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rains came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. What was it that the wise builder chose? Not just to listen, but also to put into practice the things that he heard. That's the wise person who built 
the house on the foundation of rock. Conversely, Jesus would say, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rains came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Notice one thing that both builders had in common. Both builders heard the words of Jesus. Notice that? Jesus describes a wise builder by saying, everyone who hears these words of mine, notice how he starts the second one, everyone who hears these words of mine, it's not that one side is listening and one side isn't. Both are listening. But one puts into practice the things that are heard. And the other one does not. Sometimes we make the mistake of thinking that the choice is to listen or not listen. Sometimes we think that's where the, that's where the cutoff line is. And yes, there is a cutoff line there, obviously. Those who don't listen to, to the words of Jesus at all, that's one choice. But sometimes we make the mistake of thinking that simply by having chosen to listen, we've done all we have to do. And Jesus says, no, no. There's another choice to be made. Once you've heard... What do you do with what you hear? Do you put it into practice or do you not? The one who puts into practice the things that they hear is the one who's building their house on a foundation of rock. The one who hears but does not put into practice might as well be building their house on sand. Because that house has no foundation, and is going to fall. So here's the question for you. When we think about the two gates, which gate are you choosing? Are you choosing the wide gate that opens onto the broad road? Or are you choosing the small gate that opens onto the narrow road? It might, be in, it might be that you think, well, clearly I'm choosing the road that leads to life. Why would I choose the road that leads to destruction? Nobody wants that. But if nobody wants that, why does Jesus say that's the way most people are going? Because most people consider the desired outcome but don't consider the trajectory required to get there. Everybody wants to go to heaven if they believe there is a heaven. But not everybody will choose to do what's necessary to get there. And many people will believe that simply by accepting the fact that there's a heaven and that I want to go there means I've done all the choosing I need to do.
But Jesus says, no, no. There's a road to get there. And the gate through which you have to pass is small. And the path that leads there is narrow. And only a few people, relatively speaking, are going to choose to go that way. Because the other gate, even though it leads to destruction, is wide. And its path is easy. Ask yourself the question, why do I choose what I choose? Do I make the choices that are easy? Do I make the choices that everybody makes? Because if you're making only the easy choices, and you're only choosing to do the things that everyone else does, guess which road you're on? That's the road that leads to destruction. Because Jesus says that's the road that most people take. The road to life requires hard choices. Requires us to make choices that most people will not make. That Jesus says only a few are going to make those choices. And by a few, he's not talking about a specific number. He's just talking relatively speaking. Far fewer people are going to choose to make the hard choices that are necessary to travel the road that leads to life than are going to make the easy choices that will sweep them along the path to destruction. And it's worth each of us asking ourselves the question, what gate am I choosing? Am I choosing to do the easy things? Am I choosing to go with the flow, to follow the crowd, to do what everybody else does? Guess what road that is? Or am I making the hard choices? Am I choosing the things that nobody else really wants to do? Am I investing my time in things that most people think, well, I don't want to do that. I don't want to go to worship. I don't want to study the Bible. I don't want to have to make a choice maybe to not do something I really want to do because what I find in God's word says I shouldn't do that. That's not good for me to do that. Not a lot of people are going to make those choices. Not a lot of people are going to pass through that gate. And in a similar way, how do you choose the advice that you listen to? Because everybody's got advice as to what gate you ought to, ought to choose. Everybody's got advice about what road you ought to take. How do you choose who you listen to? 
Jesus in Matthew, the 23rd chapter, a passage that we looked at in one of our lessons earlier in this study, you might remember said this. He said, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So you must be careful to do everything they tell you. But do not do what they do. For they do not practice what they preach. Do we choose to listen to people who follow their own advice when it comes to talking about things of God, when it comes to talking about the path that God has laid out for us in his word. James had some harsh advice in James chapter 3, beginning in the first verse. He said, not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers. Because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. As someone who spent most of his adult life in one way or another teaching, those are words that I've confronted myself with a lot. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't do this. <laughs> Maybe James was right. But James is simply pointing out the fact that if you're going to tell other people what to do, you better be prepared to do it. Because people will judge, as Jesus said, by your fruit. Now James doesn't expect teachers to be perfect, because notice the next thing he says. We all stumble in many ways. James is not saying, I, James, am perfect. Because notice the word he uses at the beginning of that sentence. He says, we all stumble. He doesn't say, you all stumble. He says, we all stumble. All of us, James included, who accept the responsibility of teaching, are going to fail. In fact, he says, whoever is never at fault in what they say is perfect. Able to keep their whole body in check. And James is looking at each one of us in the eye and saying, you know that's not you. <laughs> you know you are not perfect. So the point is not that teachers should be perfect. But the point is, the teachers should be making the effort to practice what they preach. And as one who's preached a lot, I, I will tell you, that's hard. But most of you over the course of the last ten years have heard me say this on numerous occasions. The best sermons I ever preach, I preach to me first. And that is absolutely true. Because the toughest lessons I ever present are lessons I needed to hear. And woe to me if I don't live them. Do I fail? 
Absolutely. Do I stumble? You better believe I do. But the point is, we need to listen to people who are striving to practice the things that they preach. Because like those Pharisees and teachers of the law, there are many people in the world who will give us all kinds of advice, but not follow that advice themselves. Jesus also wants us to understand that is doing. Jesus is not interested in having name-only disciples. You know, the word Christian gets thrown around a lot in the world today. We put the name Christian on everything. Do you realize that in the New Testament the word Christian only appears three times? Only three times. For such an important word you'd think we'd find it a lot more. But it only appears three times. And each of the three times it appears, it's used as a proper noun. It's never used as an adjective. We never read about a Christian something in the New Testament. Not ever, not once. That word is only used as a proper noun. So we use that word quite often in ways that God's word doesn't use it. And in the same way often in the application of that word to people. But you see, Jesus is not interested in having things that just have his name on them that are not like what he wanted that are not like what he taught, that are not like what he approved. In fact, if we think back to what Jesus said, when he said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, what does he say that he's going to say to many of those who have put his name on things that he didn't approve? He is going to call them evildoers and say I never knew you Jesus only wants his name on that which accomplishes the will of his father so we need to be really careful about what we put Jesus name on and how we use his name in reference to things that we decide to do Because if we say it's of Christ, it better be of Christ. Because if it's not, we're going to be in that line with the people at the end of, of time who hear those words, I never knew you. Even as we're saying, but Lord, we put your name on all this stuff. And he's going to say, you are evildoers. I never knew you. And how are you building your house? This is the really personal one for each of us. Because each of us has a responsibility for our own house. What are you building on?
The wise builder, as we observed, has two qualities. The wise builder hears the words of Jesus, but also puts those words into practice. Hearing is not enough. It is not enough to come in here on a Sunday morning and hear the lesson that John presents or that Jay presents or that Michael presents or that whoever presents that particular Sunday. If you don't do something with the words that you hear. It's not enough. Hearing is not enough. The foolish builder heard the words. Remember we saw that. Jesus said, whoever hears these words of mine, but does not put them into practice, is the one who builds his house on sand. Everybody hears but we have to put into practice. And, as we've just observed, action that's not based on Jesus' words also is not enough. We can't just say, well, I'm going to put Jesus' name on this thing that I invented and pretend he likes it. He's not okay with that either. The only house Jesus wants to see us building is a house that's built according to his instructions. That's the only house that's going to stand. That's the only house whose foundation will uphold in the last day. And it's all about choices. What do you choose to do? with the words of Jesus? What choices do you make based on the words that you hear? Because the alternative is to build your house on sand. James has a great statement about this in James the first chapter beginning of verse 22. He says, do not merely listen to the word. And so, deceive yourselves. Yeah, and that's exactly what we've been talking about. Sometimes we fool ourselves into thinking, well, I listened. I've done all I need to do. James says you're deceiving yourselves, if that's what you're doing. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word and does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Just think about that picture for a minute. Let's say you walk up to a mirror and you look at yourself and your hair is a mess. Looks like a rat's nest sitting on top of your head. And there's a, a smear on your cheek of that chocolate cake that you had last night. That's just sort of gotten dried and crusty. 
sitting up there on your face. And maybe you didn't clean your nose as well as you could have the last time you blew it. But you walk away from the mirror and think, I must look okay. What was the point of even looking in the mirror if that's what you did? The whole point of the mirror is to show you, oh, I need to comb my hair. <laughs> I need to wash my face. I need to blow my nose. The whole point of the mirror is to show you what's wrong so that you can fix it. Not so that you can leave it the way that it is and pretend it's okay. James says whoever listens to the word and doesn't do what it says is doing exactly that. They're looking in the mirror, seeing all the stuff that's wrong, and turning away from the mirror and forgetting all about it. And not fixing a thing. But, he says, whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Notice how he describes God's word, the perfect law that gives freedom. God's word is perfect. God's word is never going to tell us something that's going to mess us up. God's word is never going to do, tell us to do something that is going to be hurtful or harmful to us. And it is intended not to bind us, not to constrict us, not to drag us down, but to do what? Give us, what's that word? Freedom. To liberate us from all of the baggage that takes us down that wide road that leads to destruction. If we look into God's word and we continue in it, not forgetting the things that we've heard, but doing the things that it tells us to do, we'll be blessed in the things that we do. Because the point of looking into the mirror is not to be shamed by how ugly you are. Because sometimes when we're afraid of how ugly we think we are, we just stop looking in the mirror. And some people do that with God's word. I'm afraid of what it's going to tell me about myself, so I'm just not going to look in there. But that's not the point. The point is to show us the things we can fix. To show us that we could comb our hair if we chose. We could wash our face. We could blow our nose. Is that image ever going to be perfect? Mm -mm. Certainly not. There will be things about that image we're never going to fix. 
but we can fix the things we can. But unless we look in the mirror, we don't know that they're there. I don't know what my hair looks like unless I look in the mirror. I don't know that I got stuff on my face unless I look in the mirror. That's what the mirror is for. We have to look into God's word. Let it show us, here's the things you can change. And make better choices as a result. Here's the bottom line. Our choices have power. Our choices have power over our lives. And even more importantly, our choices have power over the life to come. And where we end up when we get there. The gate that you choose today, whether it's the wide gate or the narrow gate, determines whether you end up after this life is over in eternal life or eternal destruction. Those are not my words, those are Jesus' words. The road that you choose today, whether you choose the easy road that everybody takes because everybody takes the easy road, or whether you choose the hard road that only a few people choose because it's hard, that choice determines whether you experience eternal life or eternal separation from the God who made you. The choice that you make to put on the name of Christ is a choice also to do the things that Christ said for you to do. And if you're going to choose the name of Christ, you must necessarily choose the things he said to do. Or otherwise, he says, you're an evildoer who's abusing his name. Again, I didn't say that, he said it. The choice that you make about whether you hear his words and do them determines whether your spiritual house is built on a foundation of rock or if it's built on sand. The house that's built on rock will withstand every test. The house that's built on sand will fail. What do you want your house to be? It'll be that based on the choices that you make. So, the master teacher's lesson for us is this. Choose rightly. Choose wisely and well. Make choices based on the information that he's given us through his word. Listen to advice that follows his word and not advice that follows the latest trend or you know, the latest guru or the, you know, the latest book that came out or the latest person that's on Oprah. Follow advice, follows his word. Those choices are going to be difficult. 
It's a narrow gate. It's a hard road. Only a few people are going to choose it. You won't have a lot of company. But the company that you do have will stand shoulder to shoulder with you and embrace you as you walk that road. As we all look forward to the year that's about to begin, think about the choices that you're making with your life. You can either think about it in the broader sense if you need to do that, but I think it's probably more helpful just to think about it on the narrow sense, the small sense. What choices will I make today? What am I going to choose today? Because it's sometimes hard to, to do things in a big picture sense. What will I choose today that will keep me on that narrow road? What will I choose today that will keep pushing me through that small gate? What will I choose today that will keep me on the road that leads to life and off the road that leads to destruction? And the counsel that I need for that is in the words of Jesus. I need to listen to him and I need to do what he says.